This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, and welcome to Shabbos Kerftoni. And we're, uh, it's um, a lot of good things in store for all of us. And uh, especially when the, when the cameras stop rolling, there will be, uh, there'll be uh, you know, the subject matters will move into uh, you know, the, where, where life really takes place. But today what we're going to do is, um, is about uh, how do we know there is a God? How can we know there is a God? And what's the big deal with knowing there's a God? Like, is it really that important to know there's a God? So, meaning can't you just believe? Can't you just believe in God? And you could say it's like a very Hasidic thing to believe there's a God. You know, like, you know, Hasidim generally go with the Muna, and maybe Litvaks go with the head, and and uh, so let Litvax know there's a God, and let the Hasidim believe there's a God. You know, we'll just everyone do do your do the right thing. You know, if you're a Hasid, believe. If you're a Litvak, figure it out. And so there's there's a lot to be said about Amuna, the Amuna Pshuta, the Amuna from the from the from the Haim, from the from the Yiddish Haim. The Amuna is very very important, and that Amuna. That doesn't come with uh, doesn't come with seichel. Doesn't come with proof. That amuna in God is is super important because because that's that's the part that's really deep inside of us. Not just in the seichel. It's something that's deep down, and and it's um, and you know if someone can talk you into something in seichel, someone else could talk you out of it. Whereas when something's deep in the amuna, deep inside the heart, so then it's. Um, it's like, you don't care that much what people are talking about. And this is one of the reasons why the Hasidic Welt did much better against the Askola. And today, um, the Hasidic Welt is doing much better than the, than the rest of the, the different communities because the, the Hasidic Welt go, it leads with, uh, with the heart and the home and the family. And, the, and the, it's not so in the Seichel. And so the, 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 um, the war of assimilation is being won by the Hasidic families much more than much more than anyone else. Nevertheless, the Rambam clearly states that it's not enough to believe in God. You got to know. The Ramban argues that it's okay to believe that to believe believing is enough. Now, what are we talking about here? The answer is we're talking about the actual fulfillment of a mitzvah asay. So it matters. Like it really matters because can you imagine if you spent your whole time, your whole life believing in God, and you got upstairs to find out that you weren't Yotzi? <laughs> that wouldn't be very good. Because if the Rambam's right that to be Yotzi and believing in God, you have to know there's a God. Now what are you going to do? Yeah, you had all the belief, and and it's one thing if like I walked up to test you whether you believe in God, and it's another thing when God's testing you. Sorry, whether you knew. For me to ask you whether you knew is one thing. Can you imagine getting tested by God? Whether you knew he existed or not? Whether you actually figured it out? Now, the Ramchal, he put it together in uh, his very first line in Derech Hashem. You know what he said in the very first line in Derech Hashem? He says, every Jew must believe and know. He put Ramban and Rambam together. Every Jew must believe and know. Second paragraph, that belief... Every Jew must believe. Belief comes from the home. It comes from your upbringing. 
and the, the amuna that you were taught growing up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an observant home, that is where you get your amuna from. You get it from your parents. And the no, every Jew must believe in no, that's the next paragraph of, the, of Der Hashem, where he explains that, that a person has to do his own chakiras. You have to do your own checking it out. You've got to see. Is it something that you can know? And if you can know, can, do you know that there's a God? So, so therefore, what we, what we see from the Ramchal is you've got to believe that comes from the home, and you've got to know, and that comes from the, the chakiras of you figuring it out, checking it out. Now, we say this every time we make a, we say Yehirotzayin. Uh, every time we say Yehirotzayin. Or, uh, or when we say Shemone Esri. We say Elokeinu, Velokeavaseinu. Or Elokai, Velokeavasai. So what's Elokai? Elokai is my God. Elokeavasai is my parents' God. There it is. Elokai is my God because I have a relationship with God. I know there's a God. Elokai is I have a relationship with God because my parents had one. And they gave it to me. So we're saying this all the time. And every time you say Elokai, that's your God. Well, how, what makes it your God and not your parents' God? What makes it your God is that you yourself got to the level of knowing that there's a God. And that makes him your God. Like it says in Shabbos Shuva, it says, Shuva, uh, Shuva Eli. Wait, no. How does it say Shuva? What's the Pasuk in Shabbos Shuva? In the, in the Navi there? Shuva Hashem Ad. Ad Hashem Elokecha. Yeah, that's right, right? Ad. So listen to, listen to this strange Lushan. It should say Shuva Hashem El Hashem Elokecha. No, it says Shuva, Shuva. Say it louder. Yeah, Shuvi Yisrael. Sorry, Shuvi Yisrael. Ad Hashem. Okay, why say Ad? So it says Shuvu. Return, return Yisrael. Ad Hashem Lokecha until Hashem is your God. You understand? Come back to God. Till he's your God. You see, if he's your parents' God, maybe you could do something wrong. <laughs> you know, if he's your parents' God, it's okay. You know, may the God of my parents forgive me. You know, but when he's, when he's your God, that's your relationship that you're breaching there. If you do something wrong and you need to have, be Shuvi Yisrael, if you do something wrong and you're returning to Hashem, so you got to return till he's your God because he wasn't your God. Because if you can do something wrong, that's not your God. That's your parents' God. And maybe this gives us a hint into, uh, into being machazic, the generation, and being machazic, our children, is, is to help them get a relationship with God that's theirs, not yours. And that ain't push it. That ain't push it. To, you know, it's very hard to get kids to have their own relationship with God. But there's a way that kids will, uh, will uh, you know, if you give them enough space, they'll do their thing. And they, when they do their thing, they start to develop you know, their own mahalach. And they get a relationship. You know, a lot of kids will develop their relationship with God. Now, you could just give them yours. And you know, I know a lot of kids who only have their parents' God. But, you know, it's, uh, again, it's like 
God forgive me for what I'm about to do to uh, you know, my parents' God here. It's a lot different than God forgive me for what I'm about to do to my God. Now, how do you know? Like, okay, so we got to know. Let's say we all want to fulfill the Rambam. You guys want to fulfill the Rambam? You want to know there's a God? So how do you know? So the answer is, there's, well, there's a lot of ways of knowing things. A lot of ways to knowing things. And also, for you to know, and for me to know, and for him to know, and for her to know, well, that might be very different criteria. You know, someone who's a high school dropout, who spends all his day, you know, he can't read, can't write, can't do math, dropped out of high school when he was, you know, 16 years old, 15 years old, and spends his whole day on the streets hustling, versus someone with a PhD in physics. They're going to have different criteria for knowing there's a God. They have very different criteria. And I have a feeling the high school dropout is going to have a much simpler criteria. Meaning, how much evidence you need to know there's a God. The high school guy is going to be around there. The PhD guy is going to be around there. He's going to need a lot of evidence in order to say that there's a God. And also, what kind of evidence is there? There's a lot of different kinds of evidence. Some is just understanding philosophically. There's a lot of different ways of of doing it, and we're going to do some of them right here. How late am I allowed to go to on this class, by the way? I have to get involved in some proofs of God here. What time is it supposed to be till? Anyone know what time this class goes? Everything's pushed out a bit? No, you're officially at 2.45, but the next thing doesn't start until 3, so... Okay, good. Okay, fine. (laughs) Okay, so listen up. There's... um, what, what, is, what does it mean? How do you get to knowing there's a God? Well, here's something. How about if you have a hashkocha protis moment, which we've all had, that was statistically impossible? That it was not statistically possible that such a thing should have occurred, and yet it occurred. Like, there it was. Or you really needed this, and there it was. Now, there's not a person in this room who hasn't had that happen who hasn't had that happen many, many, many times, where it was so clearly orchestrated for you that there was like it was a, a trillion to one chance that that would happen, and it just perfectly showed up right there, like bam, there it was. And every one of us have had those hashkocha protest moments. Some are giant, some are medium, some are small, but I would say that none of you go through a week. Certainly, probably no one in the world doesn't go through a month. Even a non-believer will say, I mean, just the craziest coincidence. They call it a coincidence. They say it just happened, stam. Bimikre. But, the, but the, you know, they'll call it a coincidence. We also believe in coincidence, except we don't spell it coincidence with a C. We spell it with an S. That God was inside, co-inside. He was inside this situation. So that's, that, for us, that's a coincidence. Because God was inside there. Whenever I, I'll run into like the most random people. I had a guy, I'll give you an example, where like only with a God. I, I had to tell a guy who was, uh, in, the, he was in my possible seminar like 15 years ago and more than that. It was right when cell phones came out. I had a cell phone. Almost no one had a cell phone. And I had to reach this guy and tell this. 
he wasn't such a balanced guy. I mean, they, to do the possibly seminar, you've got to be a balanced person. But I, I let this guy come in because it was just on the edge. But one thing that would have upset him was that we had canceled that day. And he, would have, he had to come from out of Jerusalem into town to, uh, to find out in the old city that it was canceled. So I, today I don't run in the old city, but it would have been very disappointing. It probably would have threw him off a lot. So I really need to reach him. I had no idea it was phone. He didn't have a phone number. He was visiting from England. And he, he came in. And so what had happened, I was returning my phone calls. And, uh, you know, I was listening to messages and returning calls. What is returning calls in those days? You press star, and it returns the message you're listening to. So I pressed, I, I was listening to some random message from someone else. I press star, and it starts ringing. Okay, try to talk to this guy. I had no idea he called from a payphone, but in Israel, when you call a payphone, it would you'd hear a sound goes beep 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 for the first like twenty seconds of the call. So as soon as you hear beep beep, you know you called back a, a payphone. Except the person who answers the payphone in the middle of a busy street, I don't know where Tel Aviv or wherever he was, it's got the unmistakable accent of this British young man. At which point I said, Charles? And he says, yes. I'm like, he's like, who's this? I said, well, it's Rabbi Glazer. And he says, well, how did you know to reach me at this payphone? Now, I could have made a lot of choices at that point, but I decided to say, Charles, there's a lot of things you don't know about me. At which point he said, Charles, class is canceled today. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Charles. Goodbye. I hung up the phone. These kinds of things. Now, of course, they happen more to some people and less to others. I have an extreme amount of those. In fact, I was running a little late driving in here from Borough Park just now. And my driver was like sticking to nine miles per hour under this nine miles per hour above the speed limit, and cars are passing us, and I'm just like I'm just like, dude, step on it, you know, like move, you know. And he's like, I've never had a traffic ticket before. I'm not going to start now, and I'm like, you have my mazel in the back seat. You will not get pulled over if you're going 120 miles per hour. Just go for it. I promise you. And so you can actually have so many incredible ashkacha protest things happening in your life that you can, that you can um, know there's a God. You just know it because it couldn't have happened without it. And so if you were expecting me to give intellectual proofs of God in this room, well, I'm going to, but in a minute. That's not necessarily what you need for evidence. Some people just are very... Anatomy's evidence. Some people learning physics, you know, like all you need to know is a little physics to know that all we are is protons, neutrons, and electrons. Microscopic protons, neutrons, electrons. This is made of protons, neutrons, electrons. My wool suit's made of protons, neutrons, electrons. My skin's made of protons. That's all there ever was. There's never been anything but protons, neutrons, and electrons. We're all made of the same exact stuff. Except I'm not a wool suit, and I'm not a stender. It's just all in different forms. And this is a known fact. This isn't like up for, like, this isn't theory. 
That's what the world's made of. Is there a God? Of course. You know, because, because how did the protons, neutrons, electrons suddenly become friends to create you? So, meaning it, it's just everywhere you look, everywhere you look, you see it. You see it in the perfection of the world, and you see it in the perfection of the solar system. You know, we, have, we, we see that everything's working in, in extreme systems. That doesn't happen. Stop. If, you find, if we were all in the Sahara Desert on a camel trip, going through, can you imagine all of us on a Sahara Desert trip on camels? And we're all on a camel trip, and, and you, um, you see something shining down on the sand, and you jump off your camel, and you're like, what is that? You pick it up, and you see it's a Rolex watch. Now, one of you wouldn't say, wow, how do you like that? Millions of years of sand rubbing against each other? A Rolex watch. No one would ever say that. No one. Every single person knows that that Rolex watch had a designer. That a human being designed that watch. And it probably was some other tour of camera riders. And a guy's watch fell off. Everyone knows that something with design came from a designer. And then you've got, this is a deeper one, but then you've got human consciousness. I mean, is there anyone in this room who's not conscious? And tell me, can you create something with your consciousness? Can you create another consciousness? You can't. A consciousness can't create a consciousness. You can't create consciousness. You just have consciousness. But you cannot create consciousness. So you have something that cannot be created. So where'd you get it? How'd you get something that can't be created? You can't make consciousness. So how'd you wind up with something that can't be created? It had to be created. You get that? Another thing is the people who don't believe in God, they think we come from uh, chimpanzees or whatever, or some other primates, some other kind of monkeys. Okay, so show me, any, show me the monkey that speaks anything. Just get me an orangutan that can say the word banana. You know, like, nothing, nothing. No voice, no moral voice, no sense of morality, no sense of anything that's human. Like, so where's your, where's the missing link? Where's the missing link? I actually met the missing link. My, my best friend when I was a kid was a Persian kid in L.A. He went through puberty when he was nine years old. By the time he was 12, he could buy his beer. He had a full beard at 12 years old, <laughs> which was really effective because his Persian father bought him a car at 12 years old, at uh, I think 15 or something. And so we could just drive all around. No one ever, you know, he, no one ever thought that he was, uh, you know, under 30. And then we've got the following proof. And the following proof is that before there was something, what was there? I'm going to ask you guys, everyone speak up. Before there was something, what was there? There was nothing. Before there was something, before God created the world, or before the world was created, however you want to say it, there was absolutely nothing. And so everyone agrees on that. Whether you're an, an observant Jew or whether you are a physicist involved in the study of, you know, the physical world, before there was something, there was Nothing. Well, tell me, everybody, what does nothing make? If you have absolutely nothing, what does it make? Nothing. 
If you have nothing, you get nothing. Well, isn't that interesting? Everyone knows that before there was something, there was nothing. But we also all know that if you have nothing, well, you get nothing. Because nothing makes nothing. And so there you have a completely glock proof. And I've actually nailed it down to five seconds. Ready for the five-second proof of God? And this is undeniable proof of God. I've had atheists in the room who have said to me that, that there's just, it's just, I can't disprove it. And they, I have an atheist that said, you know, I'm in. Many atheists have turned around over this proof of God. It goes like this. Ready? Five seconds on the clock. Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Got it? Should I do it again? Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Should I slow it down? Before there was something, what was there? Everyone say together, nothing. Okay, let's try it again. Come on, look alive, guys. You're going to be in a lot of shirim. Get into it, okay? Look alive. Before there was something, there was? Nothing. Thank you very much. Excellent. Gornist, yeah. Before there was something, there was? Nothing. And since nothing makes, and now that there is something, it must be that the was God. I've had atheists raise their hand in a class and say, now, Rabbi, that is a God I could believe in. I always thought God was nothing. <laughs> and one of the problems is when you, when you go on- online, you know, you watch the, the YouTube atheists and stuff. You know, and they're debating the believer. The believer is usually some Christian with this, you know, fairy tale belief system that he has. And the 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 atheist just mops the floor with this guy. They they lose bad. They lose bad. But they're never talking to a Jew. Because the Christian belief in God is that God is something. The Jewish belief in God is that God is nothing. He's called Ayan. This is called Yeshmi Ayan. God is called Ayan. It's a very deep Kabbalistic reality because once you say God is Ayan, well then he's also one. Why? Well, you tell me. Can you have two nothings? You ever thought about that? Can you have two nothings? You can't have two nothings. If you got nothing, you got one nothing. If you divide nothing by 30, how many nothings you get? You get one nothing. It stays nothing. So it's absolutely one. And now you understand why we cover our eyes when we say Shema. Because if you're saying the truth, that we believe in the oneness of God and that, that that's all there is, well, I don't want to see the something while I'm talking about the nothing. I'm announcing the nothing. So I don't want to see the something. Now we bring back the physics. We're all made of protons, neutrons, and electrons. In other words, this is just a digital simulation we're in. We're on the other end of oilamois that filter out the orange sof, the light of a shem, that filter and filter and filter and filter out until there's us down here. Which is really just a projection. We're, we are inside a hologram. This is a holographic projection of God that we're inside of. And that's why you can have these million to one or trillion or billion. 
trillion to one hashgacha pratis situations. That's why people can have no chance of, I just met someone this week, no chance of having a child. And just like our Parsha, it's this week's Parsha, that's funny. I met someone this week who had a, you know, a zero chance of having a child. Baruch Hashem, they have a child. And the, uh, you know, just based on, he had the machla when he was one, and like a couple other things happened to the point where he wouldn't be able to ever have children. You know, except for, you know, all kinds of medical intervention. But that, they didn't do the medical intervention, they have a child. It's Mamish uh, Parsha, Parsha Shalano, it's this week's Parsha. When you live in a digital simulation that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is creating from the nothing into something, yesh me'ayin. So it's a no-brainer to God to put a child inside of someone that is otherwise barren or someone who doesn't ha- can't have children. So can you know there's a God? For sure you can know there's a God. Do you have to know there's a God? According to the Rambam, you do have to know there's a God. And the, what's the benefit of it? Is that God goes from Elokei Avosai, the God of my father, to Elokeina, to my God. And when it's my God, well now I have a relationship. And it's going to be a lot easier to keep that relationship knowing it's mine and not my father's. I mean, you think about it, you go on a trip and you're you're on a business trip or whatever, wherever you are, and, and you have your, your father or your mother's best friend in town. Meaning you went out there and that's where they live. Yeah, you went to Montreal and your father's best friend's there and he says, look up my best friend, please. Okay, you do your best to look him up. You send him a text. Maybe you went to visit, whatever you did. Maybe you forgot. What about your best friend? your best friend is Montreal, you're going to forget? You're going to send him a text? You're not going to forget. It's your God. It's your relationship. So there's a big mila in making Hashem your God. But again, you don't have to be a genius and be Mr. Philosophy and work it all out the way we worked it out here. It's just enough to have your own personal criteria of what you call evidence. Because every person's gonna have a different version of evidence. The more intellectual you are, perhaps the more schooling you have, perhaps the more evidence you'll need. The less intellectual, the more emotional, for example, or the more instinctual, the less evidence you'll need. It's only between you and God how much you need to have of evidence to know there's a God. There's not a ton you need there. But when it comes to the highly intellectual discussion of whether there's God or not, at least you know you got what to back you up. I'm actually debating one of the big YouTube channel atheists live in uh, Jerusalem uh, next Sunday. And, uh, it's going to be live in a theater. Uh, with, uh, and it'll be, uh, it'll be put out, you know, and uh, it'll be live streamed. Hopefully we'll get Tor any time to cover it. I don't know if Tor any time wants an atheist giving a his side. But uh, hopefully, hopefully they will. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to be doing a live debate against you know, one of these big YouTube channel guys. 
So that's kind of exciting. You think Torin any time will go for it? Talk to Shimon. Talk to Shimon. Yeah, I'll speak to Shimon. Or oh. Okay, I'll speak to those guys. Okay, any questions? Questions? Yeah. Have you ever had such a debate? Many, many of them. But I've never had one in a theater or like, you know, full YouTube channel style. Amazing. <laughs> People keep asking me if I'm preparing. I'm like, of course I'm preparing. Like, oh yeah, what'd you do? I'm like, so far I've been going to Mikvah every morning. <laughs> Which one? Satme. I only toivel and satme. Because I'm from Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, you don't, you don't have a mikvah if you don't have three pools. You have to have warm, haste, and kalt. In the, uh, for some reason, you can go to Borough Park, the fanciest building you ever saw, and there's one bore, two bores. But in Eretz Yisrael, you don't have a mikvah until you have three pools. So I, have, I actually walk. I stay right. Ne- I stay on 48 and 14th, right next to Munkach, and I actually walk all the way down to 52nd Street to Satmir. What? Oh, I thought you asked me which mikvah. She asked me which atheist. She was asking me which atheist. I'm like, oh, the the, the mikvah in, in 52nd Street. So. Yeah, I ha- I, it's on my WhatsApp in a bunch of codes because I clicked on his YouTube. I still don't really know. I don't even know his name. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just because I don't remember it. Because one night this week I clicked on the link that my, my um, you know, the guys who work for me, the media club I have, they sent me the link to his YouTube. I liked him. I think he's a great guy. I'm actually excited to debate him. Okay, guys, we're gonna, we got to end now. Um, I, I got the word from the staff. It's 5 of 3. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.